Welcome to the Shepherd King Podcast. We exist to equip pastors and leaders in the local church to transcend beyond current culture, to see government through the lens of the gospel, and engage as modeled in the scriptures. I am Leo Lazzarini. And I'm Greg Baker. Welcome to the Shepherd King Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us again for our podcast. And today we are taking a pause from our series and we are going to talk about the elections in Iowa 2022. Greg, would you mind helping us understand all that happened on November 8th here in Iowa? So I think we need to look at some of the, the basic foundations of the government we're in. So we're Christians. We're trying really hard to take a look at this from a biblical perspective. So the scripture tells us God instituted government. Well, in this land, that, that's a constitutional republic. And what we do every two years in the state of Iowa and across the country, we elect a new government. So on November 8th, Iowa voted in its 90th government since becoming a state in 1846. In that, all 100 members of the Iowa House of Representatives were up for re-election or election if it's their first term. We had 50 of the 50 senators, half of them were up for re-election. But this year, it's the fourth year for the governor's office, the lieutenant governor, the secretary of agriculture, secretary of state, state treasurer, attorney general, state auditor, were all up for election as well. So in Iowa, there wasn't a lot of changes in government, but the changes that did happen were very big. We are a state that likes incumbency. We have the nation's longest serving governor in uh, the whole history of the United States of America, Terry Branstad. We have the nation's longest serving treasurer and attorney general, the treasurer, Mike Fitzgerald, and the attorney general, Tom Miller. So Iowa historically has kept incumbents. But strangely this year, the biggest change is Attorney General Tom Miller ran for re-election after serving for 40 years. He lost his re-election bid to a gal named Brenna Bird, who's a county attorney out of Guthrie County. Starting in January, she'll be our new Attorney General. And Mike Fitzgerald, after serving 40 years, lost his re-election bid to a gentleman named Robbie Smith, who serves as a state senator in the Quad Cities. And he will also be assuming office here in January. State Auditor Rob Sand won a close re-election. He'll return as state auditor. And then our Secretary of State, Paul Pate, our Secretary of Agriculture, Mike Nag, will be holding office for comfortably re-elected, as well as Governor Kim Reynolds and Lieutenant Governor Adam Gregg. So most folks came back except for two. With the two that left, we're talking between the two of them, 80 years of institutional experience. Mm -hmm. That will be a significant change in state government, particularly for those who interact or work in those departments. Mm. The state legislature, Republicans still control the House and in the Senate. The biggest change there, the Senate now has what they call a super majority. So going back to a little bit of a civics class, if you will, <laughs> In order for a bill to become a law, it has to pass the House and the Senate and get the governor's signature. If the governor vetoes a bill, it requires a two-thirds majority to override the veto. Hmm. A supermajority is when one political party has two-thirds. Hmm. This is also important to note 
that in order to get an appointment in the state Senate, it requires a two-thirds majority. With the Republicans having 34 of the 50 seats, they will no longer require one Democrat vote to confirm appointments, mm. meaning the Republican Party on its own can confirm all appointments from a Republican governor, mm. where last year they were required two Democrats to vote for it. So when it comes to appointments, those two seats, though it's a small change, is significant. Mm -hmm. And it'll significantly change who gets appointed. Because when you require two Democrat votes, there's a lot more compromise of what appointments looked like. There's always compromise in government. Getting 34 people to agree on anything mm -hmm. requires compromise. But it does look different when you're going across party lines. Mm -hmm. And Iowa historically is a purple state. Um, for a long time, we had a Democrat Senate, Republican House. Republicans have had what they call a trifecta. It's when you control the House, the Senate, and the governor's office. Republicans have now had a trifecta since the 2016 election, and that continues on for another two years. So that'd be eight years of a trifecta, depending on what an election looks like. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, most of our members that we send to Congress stayed the same. Uh, one incumbent that continues on being an incumbent that served a long time is Chuck Grassley. Mm -hmm. Chuck Grassley has served Iowa in the United States Senate since 1980. He will continue to serve for another six years mm -hmm. in the U.S. Senate. And then three of our members of Congress were voted back to return with one new member named Zach Nunn from the Des Moines area. He was a state senator for Altoona. He defeated uh, Representative Cindy Axe, and he'll be taking her place. But overall, our congressional delegation in Washington stayed the same. Mm -hmm. But I do want to note, also unusual for the purple state of Iowa, all six members of the Iowa congressional delegation are now one political party mm -hmm. and Republican. There definitely has been more of a Republican shift mm -hmm. in the state of Iowa in the last decade. That's very interesting, Greg. Thank you so much for just explaining and helping us understand the impact of elections in our government. How do you see the elections impacting uh, our culture um, as government changes? What are some of the impacts that we can see uh, trickling down to our culture in Iowa specifically? With everything, there's benefits and cons. One of the benefits of... Um, one party rule is more does tend to get done, more gets accomplished. Um, sometimes that can be good, sometimes that can be bad, but overall government is more efficient in one party rule. And from a Christian perspective, we're looking at appointments, there's a good chance to get some born again people appointed in some places of higher office mm -hmm. in the state of Iowa. but. There are some cons to not having any Democrat weigh in. Mm -hmm. uh, I look at, when I think about the Bible, the Bible is inconvenient for all people. Amen. All people have blind spots. Mm -hmm. So when you bring that down to a, a political party, political parties have blind spots. And our system typically has somewhere a check for that blind spot to be reviewed. So you think about the appointment process when you needed two Democrats before, that was revealing some blind spots. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. there is going to be less of a spirit of iron sharpening iron at the Capitol. And that is a loss. And party politics is tricky. I mean, it depends so much what you're working on. It's a, the new government in Iowa is a huge victory for the life issue. 
Like Iowa very well could be looking at a life at conception bill. It is a great victor when it comes to school choice where we could be actually looking at parents having options of where they want to send their kids to school mm-hmm. instead of requiring state school. So there's many benefits that do come to this, but um, Democrats losing a large part of their voice is still going to come at a cost. It's going to come to a cost at social services. Mm-hmm. Democrats tend to have a better eye at looking at the lesser of these. Mm-hmm. So it's going to require lawmakers to go above and beyond making sure their blind spots are revealed because the system itself won't naturally do it for them anymore. It's going to take discipline for our legislators mm-hmm. and our governor making sure we're, we're passing righteous laws, that we're considering the full complexity of what, who people are. Thank you, Greg. That's helpful to understand how the government system works, but then also how uh, the benefits and also the, the blind spots or the cons of having a um, supermajority in, in government. Greg, what are some ways that we as a church, believers, but then also pastors, what are some ways that we can look forward after elections uh, in how can we engage government? How can we pray for our governing authorities? How can we engage with them in conversations? How can we uh, engage as a church government in, in light of the changes that we are seeing uh, after these elections? It begins with this key foundation. The church is a timeless institution. It is an international institution. It's not bound to any country, any government, or any point in history. Mm-hmm. Our job is to minister to wherever God sent us. So we have brothers and sisters that live in China. Their job is to minister in China. Mm-hmm. For reasons above our pay grade, God sent us here. But in that, it's by him that kings rise and fall. We need to minister to whomever God ultimately sends. Now, in this land, it's unique. We have a chance to vote. But voting has ended now. Mm-hmm. And this is something we must grasp in America. We got to start grasping this as a nation. And it is something as Christians we better grasp. There is a season to govern. God did not create government to have an institution that is perpetually in a state of elections. Mm. God created government to govern. Mm-hmm. And when it governs well, it can be a huge blessing to its people. And that is what we want the heart to be. How do we now, the election has passed, the leaders have been chosen. How do we minister to our leaders and help them govern so the people of Iowa will be blessed? Help them move on from the election. But you'll hear it right now in D.C. We have a huge race coming up in Georgia. Everyone's talking about that. But as soon as that's done, guess what they're going to be talking about? The presidential election. When's this Congress going to get to work? When are we going to talk about the work of this Congress and this president Mm. for two years? And I get there are different political parties now, but this is a place where the church can really play a role. How do we find ways to govern and minister to them both and bring the hard truths of the scriptures to both of them? Mm. But we cannot keep on this perpetual cycle of from election to election to election. Mm. Keep your eyes off of the 2024 election and put your eyes on what is the responsibility of the 90th government the state of Iowa just formed. How can we be a blessing to the people? And how can we as the church partner with this government to actually bless people? And that's what we're going to be focusing on here in the next two years. Mm-hmm. We're going to minister to those who God has sent. 
We had an incredible relationship with Tom Miller. I'm going to really miss Tom Miller's attorney general. He's our first um, executive branch member that gave us a meeting. He took a risk on us when we were a new entity. We've met with Tom well over 40 times. And uh, the thought of not meeting with him in the capacity of attorney general, it's sad. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not us looking down on Brenna Bird. We just got to know Tom really well. Well, Tom did not get reelected. We're going to keep ministering to Tom. He's going to be a friend. But we have an attorney general that we need to minister to. Mm-hmm. We're going to go in. We're going to, we're going to meet with Brenna Bird. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to love her like we love Tom. And we're going to do the same thing with Robbie Smith, just like we did when Mary Mosman lost the auditor's race to, Tom, to Rob Sand. We went in and we ministered to Rob. It's what we do. Mm-hmm. It's what Daniel did. Yes. Nebuchadnezzar's gone. He witnesses to his son Balshazar. Well, then he loses his life. And then all of a sudden the Persians are ruling. And what did Daniel do? Well, it's a new government. I'm done. No. Mm-hmm. He ministered to the new government. Right. And that needs to be the heart of the church. We don't just transcend elections. Mm-hmm. We transcend this whole institution of government here. Mm-hmm. We're not bound to this nation. We are here to minister to all nations, including the one God has put us in, mm-hmm. in this period of time. And what I love is his words today are just as relevant as they were to Nebuchadnezzar so many years ago. Mm-hmm. And we must bring it, because if we don't, there is nobody else to do it. Amen. The church has a unique voice that only the church can speak, because mm-hmm. it's the voice of God's. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Greg, for um, helping us understand elections, help us understand the impact of elections in our culture, and then also how we as believers are called to engage government in understanding where government is today. Understanding our times is very important if we want to engage properly in a way that we can be affected with with God's word and the gospel. So thank you for sharing that with us. We are thankful for your uh presence here with us uh, as you listen to our podcast. Our hope is that we can continue to be an encouragement as we seek to transcend our queen culture and engage government for the advance of God's kingdom. Thank you for joining us. The Shepherd King podcast is brought to you by the Church Ambassador Network, a ministry of the Family Leader Foundation that inspires the church to engage government for the advance of God's kingdom. For more information about the Church Ambassador Network, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, thefamilyleader.com backslash church.